Yes, coming in hot with episode 31 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who told me specifically that Benteke was finished in here is the double. <laughs> Benteke is finished. Did you, um, my favourite thing about that game was when the commentator said, oh, that's a surprise. And he was talking about Benteke scoring. I thought that was a, a very clear dig. Um, what I enjoyed is he went back to that celebration and as soon as he did the celebration, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He does that weird, cool knee thing. I, I really like that celebration. Oh, that would be I like it. I seen him in six months. Six months? Six years? When he's on for Liverpool? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's funny. Good to see. You know good you have having a field day when Christian Venteke is out getting a double, don't you? That's when you know you're about to batter one of the worst teams in Premier League history. Um <laughs> Right, so we might get into the flavour of the pod. We've got an opening question. We've got some weekly happenings. We've got a Premier League review, and then we've got a little Champions League um, preview because there's some um, still some live fixtures in that last match round. Rogers multi, <laughs> yeah, comes up in them in socials. But let's do the opening question then. All right, so the talking point of this weekend, there was a few, but it had to be. Spurs beating Arsenal 2-0 in the North London derby. Now, some time ago, this used to be a big fixture, but now it just seems to be one team really struggling and one team going the other way. But the manager on top, Jose Mourinho, was typically humble following the match. And Jose said, I admire Mikel a lot. He's a great coach. It is no surprise he learned from Pep. Unfortunately, they both lost 2-0 to my Spurs. So, Jose is shithousery. And I know, like we've been saying on the pod, like it's Jose is getting more and more confident. And you can see it in his presses. So, I'm, I was sitting there thinking this morning, can Spurs win the league? Big question. We've gone for some banter questions into some um, serious stuff, but... I thought this was oh. a banter question. All right, so you know, you know my response, Go on. We've <laughs> given away early. Um, I think, well, it was a huge week for Spurs, wasn't it? I think our social media team covered that um, little post there I saw this morning. Um, a bit about how smug he's looking at the press conferences, as you say, but I think the, the main thing for me is that just the monumental week it was. Like if you if you just put yourselves in the shoes of a Spurs fan for the moment, right? So Chelsea go top basically because they play before you um, and then you jump over Chelsea to go back to the top of the table after beating Arsenal. I don't know if, if that's not heaven for a Spurs fan, assuming that we're not winning trophies still. Um, so a big, a big week for them and I just think that each step I see them take, I think I am becoming more and more of a believer that they can um, actually win a title or win at least a trophy. Um, obviously, the title's still a long way off. We're only third or so way through the season, so they've got some work to do and they've got some challenges coming. Liverpool looking good, Man City finding their feet. But I think it is plausible that um, Spurs can do it, especially with the – at the moment, I think they're still only using like the surface of their squad. I think they've still got some um, some troubling times ahead in, in injuries, and I think most clubs do. But I think Spurs have got got a bit of a deep bag there where they really can dive into their squad and um, and pull on a bail, for example, where they haven't really utilised their squad. Where we see these other, other teams, especially Liverpool at the moment, sort of using that. Um, so I think, yeah, Spurs have got some, some cover there. They're looking good. They're not conceding as many goals as they were at the start of the season. And I just think if they're not purring after this week, when would they be? 
What do you think, mate? Are they good enough? Jeez, that was a mouthful. So Spurs haven't conceded in one – oh, sorry. They conceded against Lask, but that was an unstrength side. They haven't actually conceded in the last five out of the last six games. They haven't conceded a goal. If that's not the most Jose Mourinho thing I've ever seen, I don't know what it is. I – Oh, because I asked the questions, I also set the rules around the questions. Um, so I'm going to say it's too early to say. We're only a third of the way through the season, but if you're a Spurs fan and you're thinking, is this the year to build the trophy cabinet? I think this is as good a chance as any because everyone else seems to be sort of having a bit of a spurt and then dropping off, or in Liverpool's case, a bit of a slow start and then picking up. But Spurs just seem to be building and building and building and getting better. Like that was just – I know it was only 2-0, but I just felt like they weren't really troubled. Um, on the weekend, they just seemed so confident. They believe in what Jose's doing. There's no rumblings of discontent like there was at Manchester United. Jose's happy. Harry Kane's buzzing. Sun's flying. Like I, I, I think, yeah, whether or not they can win the league, I think is a pretty tricky question. But I do think they're a hope for a Europa League or an FA Cup or a League Cup or something under Jose. He's just – he's doing such a great job with them. And they're absolutely flying right now. Yeah, well, I think it's how we, we generally agree that it, like it's plausible they can win the league, but it's l- probably more likely that they're going to pick up another trophy. But not, there's not also saying. that nagging thing in the back of your head that they could spurs it up. Like only just, Spurs can. It is, it is, but they're just such a different team. They're almost like unrecognisable. Like all of the soft edges that used to be surrounding Spurs are, are no longer there, and it's quite the opposite. Like... You know, little things where like um, all of Jose's assistants are like always in the grill of the fourth official and stuff like that. They're always chasing down referees. Like they threw water bottles onto to the ground. They've got like they never throw the ball back on time and slow things down. Like they're doing all those like, you know, half percenters and stuff like that. So I just think the whole attitude's changed there and you can see it. Adds up. So look, um, I think we're in a grass. It could be a big year for Spurs, but it's probably a bit early to say. So there's been a lot happening this week. So the first thing that popped up for me was fans were back on the weekend, but Millwall made the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Did you see this? Yeah, not ideal, really. So. They are just a pack of pigs, aren't they, Millwall? Mm. Like, oh. if if someone said to you at the start of the week, um, one set of fans will do that and <laughs> do that. Um, how much money would you put on Millwall and why? Yeah, I would have. I would have put my house on it, honestly. I just don't understand what's wrong with them. Like, it's it's just a peaceful protest. Like, there's nothing to it, as in, like, there's not, nothing threatening about it. There's not, you don't need to do anything. You just need to see that there's an issue that people are trying to overcome. And Millwall fans just made absolute dicks out of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. No, no need whatsoever. Like, I understand different people agree with different movements and stuff like that. But, yeah, nah, too, too much for me. Um, yeah. What do you do? What do you say? Yeah, so um, <laughs> there was fans back in the stadium in other games, which didn't make sort of fuss of them, but there was one that caught my eye. So <laughs> the Arsenal board said this week, you know, it's great to have fans back at the game. We don't expect them to do anything stupid. And there's one guy holding up a sign behind Kalasnach for a throw in that says, bring back Messi. Mm. <laughs> Can't help but agree with him. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed that. So the other big news of the weekend I want to go into is Barcelona lost again to Cadiz. Did you see yeah. this? Is it a yep. full-blown crisis for Barca? Uh, it is, isn't it? At this point, it's a full-blown crisis. They're, they're so far off the pace um, and 
like Messi's not happy, the football isn't good, um, like they're in financial dire straits. Like what is there anything else that could go wrong at this point? No, unless maybe I don't know, the Ronald Koeman stays. That might be the Um Look, and I'm glad because I was really critical of him when they appointed him and it's going shit and it really makes me feel happy that I was right. But Atletico moved six points ahead of Real Madrid with a game in hand. Um, Barca are ninth after the loss. And this weekend, as a bit of a Christmas gift, Real Madrid are playing Atletico. So if you're a football fan, that might be the one to watch. Yeah, Simeone really earning his Euros here, isn't he? Yeah, highest paid manager in the world. Oh, no, Pepe's, didn't he? And then, Is he? No, I thought well, Simeone was. Yeah. Simeone's on. Yeah. He's kicking every ball. So look, let's get into it. Start with the EPL review. Do it chronologically. Burnley won. Everton won. What did you think of this one? Um, a bit of a non-event, wasn't it? Like, I don't think – I think 1-1 one, one, one doesn't really do anything for each team. Like, if you're Burnley, you're trying to find some traction, you're trying to get some points on the board and, and move um, out of that relegation zone. But, like, a draw doesn't really do a lot for them. Like, appreciate it's not a loss – but, yeah, it doesn't really do a lot for them. And same as Everton. Like, I think Everton, they're a little bit on the slide at the moment. Um, so, potentially, it just slows down um, slows down that slide. But, again, doesn't really do anything for them in terms of the table and where they want to be um, either. So, yeah, I think not a lot to speak of in this game. Keen to get your thoughts on Dominic Calvin-Lewin on the score sheet again. Um, does he get on the plane for the Euros? Oh, geez, that's an early call. Um, I think he does, but it was just that typical combination for the goal, wasn't it? Um, Richarlison beats his man, gets around him, squares it up. Dominic Calvert-Lewin steaming onto it. Goals. Um, yeah, he, he's been he's been good, but they, they just didn't seem to have much bite, Everton. Um, it's a little bit flat, in my opinion. And the, the James, Rodriguez, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison just... Wasn't quite there, but Burnley were very brave as well. Robbie Brady scored a nice goal. Um, and I suppose it's really pleasing for Burnley to just get some more points because I think we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but like these teams at the bottom, you know, the three-point gap is quite big because they don't pick up many points. So I think one point here, although it's not, you know, a massive result, does give them a bit of confidence. They're now one point behind Fulham within touching distance of Brighton and Arsenal. Um, just wanted to slip that one in there. Um, so, yeah, look, good point for them. Um, Carlo, Carlo's got some work to do. Everton just seemed a little bit flat. Yeah, we mentioned this, didn't we, where they had a, a really good start and, and people were like, oh, here we go, um, big season for Everton. But then, yeah, I, like after the Merseyside derby, um, that Richarlison, we said they um, they missed him and they did. Dropped a whole bunch of points and, yeah, their form is just, just patchy. If you look at their last five games, a couple of losses, um, got a win in there, lost the week before and a draw this week. So, yeah, a little bit patchy. And that just probably reflects where they are in the table then, isn't it? A decent start. Um, and then, yeah, been on a bit of a slump and now they're a bit stuttering. So there they are in ninth. But, yeah, as you say, Burnley picked up a point. Anything's good for them, but it doesn't really do a lot for them. They remain in the relegation zone. Um, Everton are only one point ahead, but um, Burnley do have a game in hand. So, and it is against Arsenal, fellow strugglers. Oh, really? So, strugglers. So six pointer there. Come on. <laughs> See that one in the championship next year. Mm-hmm. All right. So next one was Man City two, Fulham nil. What'd you make of this one? 
Well, I thought Man City could have really, and and going into the game, actually, I really thought that they were going to really do a number on, on Fulham. But I, like, although Man City grinded out the the win, you know, I suppose two 0 relatively comfortable, got the got the clean sheet, got a couple of goals, but they just don't look like the same team. Um, the one thing oh, I think I've mentioned it on a previous pod is. You watch it when they score. Like none of the players really celebrate or anything like that. Like to an extent, they'll walk over and you know shake or hug the the guy who scored. But there's no real celebrations or anything like that. So I, I just don't think the players are enjoying the football as much as they have in previous seasons. I think that's coming through in their performances and their displays. I thought their finishing could have been better. Like Kevin De Bruyne had a couple of good chances and Sterling. Their ear was through all one. Which as soon as I saw him do this, I just thought of you straight away. Hey, you always think he's a great finisher, and I always think he's a poor finisher. Balls come across easily, left foot, open your body, um, pass it into the corner. He's gone with it outside the right foot, um, straight at the keeper. Terrible finishing. Um, and yeah, I think you just could foresee this result. I'm just surprised it wasn't a little bit more. What did you think? A Man City back, and and were you expecting a result? So uh, it's a it's a weird one because like I think the performance from City was like everything you expect it to be. Um, like they were absolutely dominant. Kevin De Bruyne was exceptional, but I suppose everyone's used to that being like, oh, De Bruyne against Fulham, he's going to dominate. Um, they looked so much better. They looked more comfortable. The only thing missing from the City of old was sort of popping three or four or five or six on them. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah they were absolutely in control of this game. Like. Um, so I, like it wasn't there was no issue with the performance, but yeah, that is him a little, a little flat, uh, maybe not themselves, but I, I I just don't know what it is. Like I do wonder if it's that Pep third season fatigue setting in, like because he does yeah. that message so intently uh, and aggressively. Like does it? Are they sort of in a bit of a lull? I think so. Like, do you like? I think because he's, as you say, his message is so intense and he's so wedded to his message. So it's not as if he's like evolving that that philosophy or anything like that. Like, he's wedded to it. That's how they play and that's how they will play last week, this week, and, you know, into the future. So potentially, as you say, the players are fatigued with that. But do, do you see what I mean about the celebration? Did you, did you notice that at all? Have you come yeah, to notice that? The, but the whole thing just seems very mechanical. But I suppose that's what, yeah. what, that's what he sets out to do. So then mm. it does take the emotion. So maybe it is just a bit of emotional fatigue. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting, cause, but they were absolutely dominant. Like, don't get that wrong. There was This game was never in doubt. Like, um, The other thing I wanted to talk about was the Barnsley-Beckenbauer. So John Stones kept Laporte out of the side again. Um, he did. Is, is things going all good for John now, or is are we just reading too much into it because they beat Fulham, who are shite? Yeah, I think... Probably reading too much into that. I don't think they're going to be the last team this season to keep a clean sheet against Fulham. <laughs> um, John Stones did give it a good crack at giving away a goal with that back pass. Emerson came out and then he just slipped it past, and there was a clear communication thing. But um, like, I I just don't think that his confidence is where it used to be. Um, I think when he was starting, when he was sort of. Um, playing well for England at that point in time. Um, yeah, he just seemed to be much calmer and made more solid decisions, but he doesn't seem to be like um, like married to his decision. Do you know what I mean? Like he looks tentative on his passes. Um, he looks tentative on his decision-making um, in terms of tackles and going up for headers and stuff like that. But yeah, I just like for Fulham, I think if you're Fulham, like I wouldn't sweat this result too much. I mean, you, you, you didn't get battered. 
um, you surviving this league won't be defined by how you do against like your Man Cities and your Liverpool's and Spurs. I don't think so. Yeah, not not too much to sweat. I think if you're um, Scotty Parker, you just take this L um, as it was only two 0 and you move on. Yep. No, definitely. All right. So West Ham one, Manchester United three. Solskjaer a genius. Or did he just get it wrong from the start and just got away with it against Moisey? I think I texted you this, didn't I, where I said um, he has clearly got his selection wrong because West Ham dominated for, I've got down here for the first 55 minutes, um, had a range of chances, had a disallowed goal and um, Suchek got got their goal, um, went into half time. Oli made uh, two changes at halftime and then another one at 60 minutes. He, he bought on Donny, Mata and Rashford. Is that correct, I think? No, so Rashford and Rashford and Fernandez came on at halftime and then Mata came on at about the 60th minute for Martial. Oh, he took Donny off. Mm, took Donny yeah. off. Yeah. Had to. Yeah, yeah took Donny off, sorry. Um, but, I mean, I think if you're making all of your subs – if you're 1-0 down and you pull all your subs um, either at halftime and 60 minutes, you've just got your starting team wrong then, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it, like, it's hard to say because he could have easily taken off Donny van der Beek or Paul Pogba and it would have been much of muchness. Both of them were just completely outplayed and overran by the West Ham midfield. Uh, Declan Rice and Suchek just absolutely dominated them. In terms of his selection, he seems to have either both of those players in or both of them out. Whereas I think a balanced United team has one of them in it. Yeah. But I think a balanced team of them learning to play together just takes time that he isn't willing to put in. Yeah. I don't think, like, if you look at Liverpool and and Man City, um, and even Leicester to that extent, um, and probably Spurs, I'd probably throw in there as well, to be honest. They they beat teams by their, their system and their philosophy, and you understand what the club. Yeah, and the manager particularly is trying to do. Whereas Manchester United win games or lose games just based on individuals. Yep. So if they're in trouble, one of their multi-million pound signings would <laughs> dig them out of it and then they're fine. Um, but if one of them happens to not do it that week, um, yeah, they'll they'll drop points and they'll look terrible doing it. Right. Um, and, and even in this game, I just they just did not look up for it for... What would you call it? Sixty minutes? They looked the so second that's the got, So the biggest thing for me in the first half was just how easily Jared Bowen was mugging off Tellers. He did so well, Bowen, he looked, didn't he? He looked like Messi. Like Tellers yeah. was so bad and just couldn't handle him. Um, it was it was really hard to watch. And then he laid on the ball for Fournells, who should have scored with the header. That was a bad miss. And then Sebastian Allaire with. Just an uncomprehensible piece of play six yards out when he slipped over. I was like, what has he done there? He made that so much harder than it needed to be for himself. Yeah, he just had a moment, didn't he? Yeah, they should have been three or four up. And then Bowen missed another one at the back stick just after half time. So it could have been, could have comfortably been 4 0. And I don't think anyone could have had any complaints with that. What do you make of Manchester United's first goal, the, the clearance that Moyes um, said was, was out and then and stayed in? Oh, Moisey, come on, mate. Be serious, David. That was never oh, out. 
if someone had the best view on the ground, it was Moisey at that point. The ball was literally flew over his head and he can look and he's like standing right on the edge <laughs> of the ball. Yeah, I just well for I mean for the amount of bend it had on and it was clearly coming back and it's only just landed back on the pitch. So then in theory, yeah, it was out by by a long way. But yeah, I think if you're West Ham, you walk away from that feeling very disappointed. Played decent football for large parts of the game. Disallowed goal in there, as I said, and yeah, you, you just walk away with nothing. Um, yeah, disappointing for West Ham and all the neutrals, I might say. But man, you like, I mean, for everything that um, everyone said about them this season, they're in fifth and have a game in hand. And that last 30 minutes was electric. Like, mm. the moment that ball goes over Moisey's head to Bruno Fernandez and Pogba smacks it home, it was just Manchester United. That touch from Mason Greenwood was. Like, touch and finish was outstanding. Yeah. Like, that was what a goal. And everyone's like, gets over excited and says, Robin Van Persie, yes. But that genuinely looked like Robin Van Persie. Just so much power in that left foot. Nice little volley there. Touch and turn, just so nice. And then the last one, the Fernandez ball, oh, not even a goal, the Fernandez ball for Marcus Rashford when he hit the post, that was just stunning. That was Kevin De Bruyne-esque. Yeah, odd, odd finishing technique with um, Rashford. Then he, he missed that one just before he got his goal, but he took his goal rather well. Nice little um, dink over the top. Um, but it's hard to tell what Manchester United are going to do game to game because not only game to game do they look completely different. Inside games, they'll change like how they're looking and, and how they're going. Um, like just not even in halves, even like you just go thirty minutes and they look at a completely different team. Yeah, it's 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 a basket case, isn't it? Like you just don't know what is going to happen. And then I think Ollie says, "Oh, that worked, so now that's the way forward." Uh, yeah. Then you'll see that team for the next two or three games. I just genuinely don't think he has a plan, um, and he keeps saying, "Oh, I've got a long term strategy." Like, what is it? Like, <laughs> enlighten us. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a lot of intelligent football people looking at them, going, "I literally have no idea what they're doing." Like, it's not as if like you can kind of see what his plan is. Like. As you say, these chops and changes each week. The style changes each week. The football changes each week. Um, results are up and down across all competitions, um, not necessarily in the Prem more recently. But there you go. So we've covered Man City and we've covered United and we're looking forward to that derby next week. Yeah, it'll be massive. Um, so set the alarms for that one. That'll be huge. So Manchester United up to fifth above Manchester City, leapfrogging West Ham. So... Maybe it's not all bad at Manchester United. They've got a game in hand. They have to win that. They go above Leicester City. But let's go to our, what, table toppers for a couple of hours. Chelsea, what did you make of Chelsea? And has Frank found that formula? They look good, don't they? They look good. They look um, very good. Very, very was, good. That was the first game um, I watched of the weekend. I think it might have even been the first game of the weekend. But... Um, uh no no it wouldn't have been it would have been third I think but yeah that was the first game I saw live with fans in it um so that was nice a lot was made of um Bielsa and and Lampard I wasn't aware that they had a bit of history coming out of the championship where Bielsa <laughs> was with Leeds still and um, Frank was at Derby I didn't know they had run-ins there but didn't you know about um, the camera gate the, the sorry the Marco Bielsa spying. Yeah, I, I did, but I just—I suppose in my head I didn't connect that back to Derby and then Frank being there. But obviously, we all remember, yeah, Spygate, where he was saying that to normal people do it all the time. Everyone's like, mm, "It's a bit weird over here, mate." <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I mean, that, that was tasty to learn about um, throughout the, the the game. But I think Chelsea just looked looked so good, didn't they? They look like they're up for a title challenge as well. I mean, you batted Silver when he first started. <laughs> you batted Chelsea for having him. But he looked yet, like a Rolls Royce on the weekend. He just looks so composed. Like, I know he doesn't have much pace or if any pace at all. But he just he doesn't need to because he's, the positioning and decision-making is so good. But right. I thought he, he had a really good game. I think Leeds, what, Leeds worked hard and were honest. Like, you just know what you're going to get for them in terms of endeavour and, and effort. But I just think Chelsea's quality... Um, yeah, it was just too much. And Leeds just can't defend set pieces. How many goals have they conceded from set pieces? Yeah, it's a worry. Goals on, like that Zuma header for the third, oh, that's not great. Zuma's got some bloody leap on him, but like, this seems to be a consistent theme too. He has a majestic leap. More goals this year than Aubameyang. That doesn't surprise me. So what? What? So go go back a couple of steps. So what did you think of Calvin Phillips' ball for the Banford goal? Oh, luck, how luck good was that? Magic. Nah, that nah, magic. He's got yeah, that in and caught out there, opinion, but that's fine. Um, yeah, because it was just, oh, it was amazing. Like he just slipped it perfectly between two defenders and a goalkeeper onto Bamford, um, ex Chelsea player, which was nice to see. But it was just such a beautiful ball, like so perfectly timed. And poor Mendy looked like Kepper. Yeah, I don't know, bad decision by Mendy. He shouldn't have come for that at all. But I think that was one of the times where the pace of the back um, two centre-backs were exposed. But I think if you're a centre-back, you're just thinking, what are you, what's my keeper doing here? I can't. Like, yeah. if he stays on his line, I can potentially get around and, and narrow the angle and then you, you keep it still at home and um, the striker's still got a lot of work to do. Um, but yeah, terrible decision. But, I mean, he's had... Um, a far better string of games than you would have got with Kepa. So I just think that if he makes one mistake, then so be it. You're still far better off with, with him in goal. Yeah. But, yeah, good finish by um, by Bamford. Um, nice little touch around and, and good finish. I thought he rushed a shot a little bit when he first struck it. I was like, oh, no, it's going to hit the post. It'll go wide. But, no, it's not getting in. What did you make of Timo Werner's miss? Oh, I was disappointed he touched it. I wanted um, to see Giroud's um, score a goal there. Nice header, rose well. And um, I I don't know, maybe I think the com- commentator gave me a little bit more credit than he should have got potentially. He's like, oh, he's a striker. He's always going to – it's just going to be his reaction to touch it. But I was, I was just thinking he just doesn't have to do anything. It's going in. What do you think? Absolutely comical. And I reckon that that um, that ruined his finishing confidence for the rest of the game because I felt like the only thing between Chelsea battering them um, was Werner's finishing slash Melier had one over him. Mm. Like, it just seemed like Werner from that point on could not score. Yeah, he had so many chances and he got in such like he's so rapid and gets in so many good positions. But Melier was like playing out of his skin, and I think Werner's confidence was shot a little bit too. Um. Even the third goal, which I think was uh, Pulisic, where um, I think in another game, Werner might shoot that. But, yeah, he squared it across for a nice finish. But Giroud started. Um, we debated that, whether he would or wouldn't start. Um, I said he would. You said he wouldn't. Um, and there you go. He gets his start, gets his goal. Probably didn't have 90 in, considering he hadn't played a lot and he'd played during the week. Um, taken off a of Tammy Abraham about 75th minute, but I was pleased for Juru. I thought he did well and um, and got his goal. So does he keep his spot this week for the Champions League or do they rest him for Everton? 
Nah, he keeps his spot. It, when, you, when you're this hot, you'd play him. And he only played 75 minutes, as I said. So, um, yeah, I think he's fine. I think you think you're playing. So, yeah, as you say, Chelsea um, top for a minute or two. But, um, yeah, finished the weekend in third. Leeds, underwhelming so far this season, into 14th at the moment. Yeah, they look a bit leggy too. Like they are they're energetic. <laughs> yeah, said that. They are very energetic and they do try their, their hardest. But, like, yeah, they looked very leggy late on. Maybe it was just the pace of the Werner Pulisic counter-attack, but they did look a bit leggy. Yeah, well, we said that, didn't we? We said how hard Bielsa's works and how thin their squad is and how thick and fast the game's coming in the Premier League. It will be tough to keep that intensity. Um, and I think if they're looking tired now, you wait until you see how many points they drop at Christmas when their game just comes so thick and fast. Um, and the injuries start to, to pile up or suspensions and stuff like that. You know how. So um, if you're sitting on four yellows, you just get your... Get your fifth yellow so you can take Christmas Day off. Fly back or box Christmas, day off. Christmas, yeah. Good on you, Neymar. All right, so let's move on to West Bromwich Albion 1. Drum roll. Crystal Palace 5. And you said Roy was past it. Wow. Wow. Who knew Palace could score five goals in a game? I, I, I can't get my head around Benteke scoring two. I feel like we're in 2008. But let, let's go to the turning point of the game. Like the game's back and forth. I think it might have been one nil at this point. Um, the Pereira red card. What are you thinking there? Do you think he kicked out, or do you think that was just a bit incidental? So, do you remember Harry Maguire's not red card a couple of months ago? Oh, is that when he like kicked up? Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. like that. And no. Son had one where he got a couple of weeks for. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I might be. Old and out of the game, but I didn't think it was a red card. I didn't have a red card for that either. I saw it live, and then obviously you see a couple of replays, and you think that's not a red card. They send the referee to go over there, who gave him a yellow initially. He looks at the monitor, comes back, overturns the yellow, and gives him a straight strawberry. I think um, yellow seems sufficient for me. Yeah, and even then, slightly harsh. I'm like, it's a bit of a mix-up. Where does he want his legs to go? Yeah. Like they essentially yeah. they are attached to his hip. So if he goes down, his legs go up. That's how it is. <laughs> it's biomechanics of the human body. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. And I just I I feel like it looks worse in slow motion. When you like slow down, you look at it and you're like, oh wow. And then you're trying to judge his intent as well, and you're like, oh, has he has he not? Like just, I think yeah. I think Van Arnholt's reaction didn't help at all. But yeah, so I don't so neither of us happy with the red there, but that was the turning point of the game and from there it was all palace. Yeah, so there's already been an own goal in that game, and then Furlong marches up the field, lays one off for Gallagher, who seemed to be in space for West Brom for about five minutes before he struck the goal. Um at the top of the box waving his arms. If you want to look at that highlight again, it's very funny watching him scream at Furlong. But then it, Wilf Zaha just just turned the game on its head. Like, he was just majestic. So he tucks away, the, well, tucks away. Absolutely cracking first goal from Zaha. And then they take that, a short free kick. Was that the outside of the, first, was that the, outside of the foot one? Or that was the no, second one? inside of the foot. The outside of the foot one's the second one. Yeah. Um, but the first one is like a cuts inside, bang, right peg, top right. And then the free kick to Zaha, and he rolls his man way too easily. Bangs it in. Even Benteke can score. Now Benteke's like, oh, I can score now. I, I remember I'm a professional footballer. 
But then Wilf again steals one off easy with the outside of the right peg. Did that? You, yeah. You were following his left foot there, weren't you? That, that was a bit cheeky, to be honest. Like easy just did all the hard work, and then um, um, Zaha just yeah cracked it in with his right foot outside the foot, and then that, that like I thought for a second they were going to have serious words, but then um, you know they started joking about it in after a second or two. So mm. interesting. And then Benteke finishes the route from a Batshuayi dummy. That was a nice goal too. Um, ball goes it across. Batshuayi sort of steps over it. Benteke's first touch out of his feet and then crack in the bottom corner. Nice finish. And then we see that lovely, lovely celebration again. Um, so the Benteke goals were pleasing. Um, I thought, like, as we said, the turning point was the red card where things start to go downhill for West Brom. But I st- like you can get a, you can get a player sent off and still not get battered. Um, Five, five, one. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry for them, but at the same time, I'm like, they didn't do themselves any favors at that point, um, and didn't play any type of way that you can play when you're down to ten men um, and sort of try and punch on the can or anything like that. They're just at the end of the day, they're just not very good, and they're looking more and more likely to go down. Yeah, they just they just did not react to that. Um, very poor. I actually expect Billich to be sacked this week. Based on that. So they've scored eight, the third least in the Premier League, and they've conceded 23, the most in the Premier League. Yep, and Crystal Palace scored five goals in an away game for the first time since January 2004 versus Watford, and that was the first time they've scored five in an away top flight game. Yeah. If Palace are scoring five, you've had a bad day out. You're in big trouble if Palace is scoring five, I think. Um, to West Brom now, second last. As you said, that goal difference is shocking um, and could come back to hurt them. But I think I think Billich will get sacked this week. Okay. Put it out there. Chris Wilder might have something to say about that, but we'll see. Oh, we'll get, we'll get to Chris Wilder. Actually, let's get to Chris Wilder now. Sheffield United one, Leicester two. Jamie, Bra- Jamie Vardy Broke Chris, Chris Wilder's heart and then the corner flag, didn't he? How, how nice was that shot where um, the ball falls to Madison, Madison punches it through the two centre-backs and Vardy gets on the other side and there's a shot of Chris Wilder and at that point he drops to his knees, puts his head down and you just see Vardy just step in front, touch out of his feet, lovely little finish. And then you see Chris Wilder's heartbreak in real life, live action. But I need the, to that, make two points on that before we move on. So. That camera shot was, yeah, okay. That camera shot was just delightful if you're a Leicester fan. So, you just see, you see Chris Wilder's get, you see Vardy get slipped through and you just see Chris Wilder drop to his knees. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. I know what's coming. I'll throw him a cup of tea on the floor. Away we go. If you said to me, here is some sort of digital photographer doctor this image and make it perfect, you couldn't beat that. Like somehow they've got the image. Wilder's like standing, goes down on his haunches, and then it, before Vardy has the ball, his head's you in the But the, the, the second part of that is why didn't they pull him down? It's the 90th minute. Like yeah. you're not enough to pull him down. Like fucking lift him. Just anything. Take the red card. Oh. Get your team to – to um, pick up another point um, and, you know, you take your medicine next week or the week after however long you get you get taken off for. But, yeah, I agree. 
that point, you you got to take him down, especially when you're in the scrap that, that you're in. But I mean, interestingly, they've only ever they've lost like seven games by less than a goal. Oh, sorry, by only one goal. Yeah, that's it. They've lost seven games by only one goal. So I mean, they don't get battered, and they're not getting sort of annihilated. They have had some bad luck, to be fair, to Sheffield United, but. I mean that that shot, as you say, Zabadi <laughs> running through is just so epic. And then and then let's now let's talk about celebration. So Jamie Vardy is a chef or was a Sheffield Wednesday fan as well. Um, so he, fault of the wound. Yeah, so he sprints over to the corner flag and just like studs up on the corner flag and snaps it in half. Beautiful image that too. <laughs> Beautiful image that not what we ninety two ninety three minutes comes over and that that corn flag just goes to pieces. Um, I think, well, you and I saw a horrific injury in the NPL where um, where that lad got the corner flag in stuck in his leg too, didn't we? My partner was at the game with me and she still has like mental scarring when someone goes near a corner post. Yeah. So basically, the bloke sliced his leg, um, like his quad. And they need to call an ambulance and stop the game, and the game was postponed. It was absolutely brutal. So I'm a little bit conscious of that too. But Jamie Vardy doesn't give a shit. No, well, I, was, I had that in my head where I was like, gee, he could get hurt here. I was like, oh no, hang on, it's Jamie Vardy. He'll be just fine. <laughs> right, corner flags in pieces. Um, and one of my friends said to me, oh, what about the corn flag? Like, you can't just break the corn flag. I just simply said, take out the gold bonus and the win bonus because there it is, three points for Leicester. Um, they didn't play very well. If we go back to the performance, um, not their best game. I think you look at Sheffield United and their quality, you'd be expecting a team such as Leicester to do, um, just go there and be professional, have a good performance and, and get it done. But it was a bit of a scrap for Leicester, a bit of a fight. They weren't very good. Some of the defending um, wasn't great. I think if you were to go back and watch the highlights, you're seeing some of Leicester's highlights from where Fuchs is striking it from 45 yards. I think if that's the chances they're creating of a team like Sheffield, um, you've got some problems. But I think having said that, like you don't play very well and you go away to Sheffield United and, and beat them. Um, yeah, you take the points and move on, get out of there. Yeah, and in their defence, Sheffield United like didn't really have any intention of doing anything but defending. Um, I didn't want yeah. the ball, five at the back. Um, hope that Burke and McBurney might be able to steal one, which they did. But I think Leicester hit the post twice. Not really any argument. The only My biggest issue is that last bit. Like, he should have just put him down. Rugby tackled him. He had the chance because Vardy has to skip across him. As soon as he comes across him, he should have just whacked him, taken a couple of weeks and uh, yeah, I think by the team. Agreed, but as soon as Vardy's in front, you're just not catching him. And as you say, those images of Wilder falling down, you just everyone in that stadium or everyone watching live knows what's happening next. But I think what they say is that after about 10 or 11 games, the table really starts to take shape and you can see who's doing what and who's where. And I think that's probably true. I mean, you look at the top six there, you've got the big six there. You've got, you've got your Spurs, you've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, and the two Manchester clubs. So... The big six, uh, they look set again, don't they? We just can't budge that big <laughs> Let's, We'll revisit that. Um, but, yeah, look, no, Sheffield United have become just the ninth different team within English Football League history to lose 10 or more of their first 11 matches to a season. Um, so it does not look good for Sheffield United. They currently have one solitary point after 10, after 11 games, five goals forward, like five points behind West Brom, six points off safety. It does not look good for Sheffield United. Are you done? Are you calling it? They're done? 
Yep, done. Yep, done. 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 Right. That's one down. So I think yeah. that should pay out. Let's, let's move on my hands together if you can't hear that. Um, let's get to the tasty one of the week. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. What are your hands made of? Bamboo. So Tottenham to Arsenal nil. Miguel Arteta got a bit of a lesson from Jose Mourinho's nemesis, just letting him know that Tottenham are a small horse, but not against Arsenal. Um, what do you think? And was Sun's goal the goal of the season? Well, I think if you're Arteta, you you got absolutely schooled and you just fell right into the trap that I think everyone else basically knew what, that was going to happen. Like, he, he, he wanted to play on the front foot and he's probably, as I said, similar to Pep, where he's married to his philosophy, where he wants to play on the front foot and he gets his um, gets his wing back forward and Bellerin just, yeah, too far up the pitch. Oh, some ball off early. And, um, yeah, great finish. I don't know about goal of the season. There's some contenders there, but what a finish. And because the best part for me is that he still had space to move into, but he's like, no, no, I'm close enough. And, like, just the – he didn't really take his leg back too far. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just all techers and, and all whip. Um, he just got such powerful legs and he didn't really, like, take a big backswing or anything like that. So, lovely, lovely finish. Um, but but on, that, on that goal there, so I was really pissed off with Bellerin and Rob Holding. Yeah. Um, like they just they just didn't do anything. Well, they what do they do? They someone they get out like, to Yeah, but they go on. Um, they go like to step back, but he's just so far away from the from um, Son, where he just keeps backtracking, backtracking, backtracking. But Son's still a long way from home, so I'm not sure that you want to commit to a challenge higher up the pitch. You probably do want to backtrack to that extent. But I, I think I'm, I was surprised and they were surprised that he just took the shot on from such a, a, far, a long way out. Like there's no need to to step up and close in there. I think if you step up and close in there, the only thing that can happen is that you'll um, you'll get like someone will slip a ball in behind you or someone will slip a ball in behind you if you step up and challenge him or he'll skip around you and then you'll really be exposed. I think they did the right thing to sort of backtrack and and try and, you know, corral him. But I was as shocked as they were, I suppose, that, um, yeah, that he pulled the trigger um, from so far out. But, yeah, as I said, didn't really um, have much of a drawback and um, lovely finish. But as I was saying, Arteta, he fell into that trap where he wanted to play on the front foot. He stepped all his players forward and then just classic, um, classic Jose um, and Spurs that, he got they um they just punched him on the counter attack and yeah as I said Arteta just really walked straight into it and there's no no need to do it both their goals come like that so yeah I just don't think Arteta was up for it um like as a manager you're talking about the real deal Jose Mourinho here like you know it's going to be a smash and grab um yeah I, I oh, I'm really worried about Arsenal now like I'm not a huge fan but like they were just again. Bamiang uninterested. William, I thought, was poor again. Um, Bell- I've just completely gone off Hector Bellerin. Thoroughly outplayed. Like, I just don't know what they're going to do. They um, – well, I thought Lacazette did well. I thought he, he was busy. Um, probably lacked a bit of quality in front of goal, but I thought he was busy um, and, and threw himself about. 54 crosses from Arsenal. 
Um, so, yeah, that's clearly a tactic for them and what they're trying to do, but just got no joy out of that whatsoever. Um, the So the first goal was um, Kane's pass to Son. I know it's not really an assist. Son had a lot of work to do, but the second goal was the other way around. Son's pass to Kane. Um, those two combine again, um, second most combinations in Premier League history. Um, Lampard and uh, Drogba have the most, but they're not too far behind them. Um, and now Harry Kane has more goals in that fixture than anyone else in history. There you go. How do you feel about Leno's positioning? Like, So Harry smacked it, and he's probably smacked it in close to the perfect spot. But as I was watching it, I was like, what is Burnt Leno doing? I don't think he's close enough. Post. I don't think he's. I don't think he's close enough to his post. Having said that, I would, don't think it would have helped him. No, it was, but it just it seemed like it gave Harry Kane enough encouragement to have a crack at it. Yeah, to like, shoot did, it. I don't know. I felt like he was in absolutely the wrong position there. Yeah, I, well, it feels like Arsenal had some um, injury troubles going into this game. A lot of injury chat was um, centered around Spurs. I think Harry missed missed training, and I think Bergwijn got um, got a little knock in the in the warm up. But both both started, but. Um. Yeah, Bert Leno had his elbow like heavily strapped, which I thought was interesting. Tennis elbow. And, and Tom, Thomas um, Partey, he was clearly not fit. And they were like, mm, he's our only thing running in the midfield at the moment. He needs to play. And so they, they dragged him out onto the pitch and he played and he clearly wasn't ready. But I think a moment that really captures that was um, – when we actually went down injured and um, he went over to Arteta like in the middle of the play and was like, I'm no good. And Arteta sort of grabbed him and this is for the Kane goal. Um, if you watch on the sideline, Arteta grabs him, sort of spins him around and like pushes him back out on the field. He takes like two or three steps and, and but Kane and Son have already burnt past him and and um, and got their goal, which he came off after. But yeah, he, he did not look fit and I feel as though they sort of forced him to play. What do you think about Bale not participating in this um, and he hasn't really participated in as much as I would have thought. Yeah, so I think um, the thing Arteta was whispering to Partey was save my job, please. Um, but I just don't think he's in their best team right now. Like, and that's the honest opinion. Um, like the way Sun, Bergwijn, Kane are linking up, like Gareth on current form just isn't in the best team. So I, I think it's like surprising knowing how good he can be. But yeah, I just – He's just not pl- – like, Sun right now is unbelievable. And Bergvine, like, with his pace, suits what Mourinho's trying to do. So, yeah, I just don't think there's a spot for Gareth. What do you think? Yeah, well, I must admit, I think I'm a bit shocked. Like, if you had told me that he would have played this little, um, I don't think I would have picked that at all, to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, no – like, in football right now, no, you're not going to play anyone in front of Son. He's just – he's in as good as form as – anyone in that position. And realistically, if you're Bale, that's who you have to dislodge as a player. It's either got to be Son or Bergwijn. And um, I think goal-wise, he just can't compete with Son at the moment. And I think he's he's the amount of work that um, Bergwijn gets through um, and his pace and willingness to get back keeps him in the team as well, whereas I don't think you'd necessarily see that from Bale. He seems to be more of a luxury player. But, yeah, I think interesting to the... For Spurs, um, I really enjoyed Jose's presser at the end, which we've already covered a little bit. I think Arteta is in trouble. Um, we said last week they were on their worst start in Premier League history, and obviously with the loss, that doesn't do anything to um, turn that. They've again extended that worst run. 
Um, and a quick shout out to Son's Boots. Very interesting. So a couple of quick stat attacks and we're done with this one. But um, the first one is the most important. So Jose Mourinho has never lost a game to Arsenal. You can take Chelsea, Manu, and Spurs, yeah. Unbelievable statistic. Um, so that's why I think Jose was so smug during the week and smug after. The other one is a two-parter. So my criticisms of Hector Bellerin won't go away. Um, so of the 13 foul throws in the Premier League this season, Bellerin <laughs> has five. He's a professional footballer and he has five foul throws this season. He Did also, you hear his excuse to that too? Is it his shorts? No, he said that um, that's how I've always taken them. And everyone's like, yeah, I know, that's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he also lost possession a match high 20 times and was hooked in the second half. Yeah, I don't know where he was on the first goal. And on the second goal, it was his cross that he sort of played in behind a Bamiyang where um, Spurs broke from um, for Harry's goal. Yeah, Just shocking performance. Him and a Bamiyang just had – so much to answer for in that game, and William as well. But uh, look, it is not looking good for Arsenal. Um, so they <laughs> currently just revisit this table quickly. Arsenal are currently in fifteenth, uh, which uh, what are they six, seven points above the relegation zone, which is, and they're six points behind Manchester United in fifth. So a bit of work to do for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work to do, and a long way from Champions League spots with um, Leicester. Sitting pretty in there at the moment. So, last fixture, Liverpool 4, Wolves 0. What did you think of this one? I expected more of a Wolves in this, more of a fight. Did did you see this game? Like, I just wasn't – they just weren't at the races. They didn't seem um, happy. They didn't seem settled or comfortable during the game. Potentially, that's just Liverpool's intensity. Again, Liverpool just did not break stride. Like, they made – um, a bunch of changes for, for this game. Um, obviously got some big injuries and some um, people missing and they rested Jota for this one. So, yeah, again, a lot of changes and just speaks volumes of Klopp's system. So, like, as I said earlier, where Klopp's got a system where this is how we play and this is how we do things and I just plug the right back in and the right back does what I've always asked for a right back. Um, and we just move on from there, whereas... Um, I don't think that's the case at, at every other club. So, yeah, I think Liverpool looked as machine-like as ever. I was a bit disappointed with Wolves. Um, Liverpool really starting to look like a team to beat, to be fair, even though um, yeah, Spurs are top by goal difference. I think Liverpool still looked the best team so far this season um, and are probably the team to, to beat. One Eldham. Well, How no. integral... Great goal, and how integral is he to re-sign for Liverpool? And what do you do if you're Liverpool? Do you do you pony up the extra cash that he's after to keep him there um, and lock him down on a contract, or do you just hold steady and see if he moves? No, I think I, I think you keep him. I think he's just playing so well. I know there was some interest in him in the summer, but um, he just keeps turning up, keeps ticking, keeps them ticking over. He does, and I think the thing I was thinking about if you're um, one Aldum. Like, why would you go anywhere else? Money. You know I mean? You're at Liverpool. You're challenging for the Premier League title. You're definitely in the mix for the Champions League. And if you're one out of them, there's injuries everywhere and you're going to play all the time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why he'd leave. So he's, he was really good, but that was a really good team performance from Liverpool. So Wolves have now lost eight consecutive league games against Liverpool. And since Virgil van Dijk's first match after injury against Everton, 
The Reds have conceded just six goals in 11 games. Are they better without Van Dyke? <laughs> no, they're not. Um, so Wolves, two consecutive seventh-place finishes. Do you see them getting back to that or, or cracking through the big six, as we call them, and you call them? Not, um, without, or- not without Raul Jimenez on the pitch. Yeah, so in 10th at the moment and you think that if things continue um, and I'm not sure when Jimenez will even be back really, but you can't see them um, going much higher than that. Um, no, I think the players they've got in and around Jimenez, if he was playing, like Adama, Daniel Potence, Pedro Neto, like all very good players, but just that focal point was missing for them. Um, like Adama's got no goals in him. Potence has got a few, but you can't rely on him to score every week. Uh, they've got to work with like midfield, but yeah, they just really miss Jimenez. And if Connor Cody keeps making mistakes like that, very out of character, but laying him on for Mo Salah, then they're not going to go any higher up. Yeah, you love that. Oh, as soon as I as soon as I saw that goal, I thought of you again. When um, I was like, oh yeah, job be happy. You're trying to bring this down and play out from the back. Take Connor, just like just clear it. Like not a back to the keeper. Why are you trying to play out oh, here we go. your own 18 yard box with Mo Salah sniffing around? Mo Salah couldn't have taken a better touch to bring it down. Like, honestly, yeah. that up so perfectly for him. I was like, for fuck's sake, Connor. Then he missed he, the sitter a couple of minutes later. Yeah, um, Mo took that goal very well. Um, I think Connor should have got a yellow for um, that dive a bit, a bit later <laughs> on in the game. <laughs> that was disgraceful, wasn't it? That was terrible, honestly. But how do you go to, how do you go to the monitor, overturn it, but then not give him a card for simulation? You've literally made the decision to overturn the penalty, so that means you think that there's no contact. Yeah, it was it was a horrible day for Connor Cody, and it's always made like it's a big deal. Always a Liverpool fan, blah blah blah. Jeez, Christ, he looked like a Liverpool fan on the weekend. He did. So that game's done. Liverpool back into equal first. Wolves um, into tenth or down to tenth, I should say. And so that was all the played games, and we have the South Coast derby kicking off tomorrow morning. Think Brighton can get it done, or is Southampton going to get it done? Nah, Southampton will get it done here, and James Ward-Prowse free kick will be either a goal or an assist. You can take that to the bank. Interesting. You're jotting that down now. No, I think Southampton have been pretty good actually. So I um they were very unlucky against Manchester United. Um, they beat they beat Newcastle, they beat uh, Villa and Everton. Plus, they had a three-all draw with South with Chelsea recently. Um, so, like, the form's pretty good for Southampton. They've been playing some good football. Ward Prowse is flying. Che Adams is playing really well too. Um, but I think, I think this is actually going to be a really good football game, like two teams with contrasting styles but both very entertaining styles. So, yeah, I like Southampton in this one. Lana back or not? Oh, come back to get injured maybe. Don't think, oh, God. I just don't trust him to play out a game anymore. Yeah, he doesn't even trust his own body. No, he's a mercurial talent, but, yeah, I don't think he'll make it back. All right, so that does it for the Prem. Do we want to look forward to the Champions League and what games you got picked out for us? So I absolutely look forward to the Champions League. I know you hate the Champions League. Oh, it's the Nations League you hate. Um, So first one is Barcelona versus Juve. So both teams are through, but I'm hoping the ego of Cristiano Ronaldo is enough to get him out for this one. Well, that's what I've got written down here where this does the ego of um, Messi and Ronaldo come in here and both of them say, yeah, I'm going to go out and play. But 
I mean, to be honest, I don't think either of them play. No, I think they're both pretty comfortable. Oh, I think Ronaldo might because he wants the goal-scoring record. They must keep building on that. Yeah, okay. So, like, Barca on top, 15 points. Juve second, 12 points. The goal difference is probably too much to overcome, although it does come into um, head-to-head, doesn't it, in this. Um, whereas, honestly, Kiev and um, Forin. Danny Forin and one point each. So, yeah, dead rubber. And if I'm, think, if I'm each of them, I don't play. Yeah, no. I think I, I, there's an outside chance for Ronaldo will, but like just it looks like such a good fixture on paper, but it could be just the reserves strutting out. Um, okay. So let's go to a couple of live fixtures. Right? Yeah, so Wednesday morning, get yourself a nice seat, comfortable seat and a coffee, uh, but you're only going to need the edge of it. RB Leipzig versus Manchester United. Who do you like in this one? Uh, Leipzig coming off a three-all draw with Bayern Munich. Manchester United obviously overpowering West Ham. Head-to-head, Nagelsmann, Solskjaer, two of the best young managers in the game. Who do you like? I watched um, Leipzig's game um, against Bayern. Cracking game. Unbelievable goals. And the pace of that game was just electric. So I think I'm just going to lean towards Leipzig here. Um, I think they'll get it done. Mainly just so I don't trust Manchester United and what type of team they're going to play or what type of team they're going to roll out. So, um, And I think Manchester United have to travel for this too, which I think is a slight advantage for Leipzig. Um, what are you thinking in Leipzig for? Is that what you're thinking? So let me cast your mind back to the 29th of October 2020 and I'll read you a scoreline. Manchester United 5 RB Leipzig, nil. So I think mm. people are just forgetting that a little bit too quickly. So I've got a Marcus Rashford hat-trick in there. Um, I think the boys have got the wood over them. I think Manchester United... Really? Yep, I think Manchester United are going to pip them. Um, I think that there's just... Like, a, this fixture is made for these big-name players. Like, Leipzig will set up well, play good football. But, like, these are the types of occasions that Manchester United players should be able to get up for regardless of how well they're coached. Um, these big names, Pogba, Fernandez, Cavani, etc. Um, like they should be able to get up for this game. Yeah, but I don't think that's untrue of anyone in Leipzig's team or PSG's team either. So bunch of nobody. Yeah. The Farmers the, League. Yeah, like the stakes can't get any higher um, unless there's a trophy on the line here, really. So yeah, each if whoever misses out between Man U, PSG, and Leipzig, it's going to be a catastrophe. Yeah, I think I think if Leipzig miss out, it's the least of a catastrophe. Um, if Manchester United miss out, I think oh, like I know he's fifth now, but Oli just seems like in a little bit of trouble, where he's going to have to bail himself out with a win that he shouldn't get. Um, if PSG somehow lose to Basic Shahir, Thomas Tuchel will be fired before he leaves the stadium. He might have his leg broken again too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's got out of that too. But so, so you and I are saying PSG are through. So it's really that fixture between um, Leipzig and United that, to decide this group. Yep, and I think Manchester United are going to go through, top of the group too. Bloody hell! Mm, Leipzig's got a goal difference to turn around. So a draw is good enough for Manchester United. Just let me emphasise that a draw is good enough. All right, let's head off to another set of 
live fixtures. So this one's really for second place. Atalanta and Ajax looking for second place in Group D um, as Liverpool are going to do Mitchell than you would think. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think Liverpool will beat Midland. Um, yeah, that so Liverpool play at four fifty-five Australian time, and so do Ajax and Atalanta. But this one's really confusing for me. It's hard to get my head around how, like, it's got itself into this way. So Liverpool's through on twelve points. Through. Check. Happy. So Atalanta play Ajax. Somehow, Ajax have ended up third, and Atalanta, even after getting battered by Liverpool, are in second. So. A draw is good enough for Atalanta to go through, but Ajax have to win. So who do you think? Who do you think's getting up in this one? Well, I said last week I think um, Ajax will. I think they'll they'll turn it around. I think they'll win, and um, I think they'll go through second with Liverpool on top, Atalanta third, and Mitchellin missing out completely. Yeah, so it's so disappointing because since Atalanta have lost to Liverpool. They, the only game they've won is Liverpool. Um, like their form's been very, very scratchy, and they were not bad against Michelin, but they just didn't put it to bed. Um, they're struggling with Serie A as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're not doing well in the Serie A. They have dropped down to ninth. Um, they do have a game in hand, but that's a, that could only lift them as high as seventh. But yeah, like scratchy form. The performance against Michelin was okay, but they, like, they just didn't put them to bed. They got hammered by Napoli a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but I think they're going out. Yep, it's at Ajax as well. So, yep, hence I am leaning towards Ajax. All right, um, another sort of live set of fixtures here. Um, so we've got Real Madrid at home to Mönchengladbach, and we have Inter at home to Shakhtar. And this is the group where everyone can get through. So a bit of a recap on the group. you got got um, Gladbach on top with eight points, Shakhtar, Equal with Real, both on seven, and then Inter on five. What are you thinking here? Let's start with Real Madrid, Mönchengladbach. I want to make sure I'm consistent with what I said last week, and I have a very short memory. So I think I said this group stays the same. So I think that Mönchengladbach will beat Real Madrid. Crazy as it sounds. Um, This fixture actually has some history too. Um... And Inter Milan will lose to Shakhtar, and Shakhtar will go through. Really? I th- yeah. Do you think the complete opposite? So I think Real will beat Mönchengladbach, and they'll go through on top. And I think the Shakhtar-Inter game will be a draw. So, so I've got Real on top, Mönchengladbach. Second. Second. Shakhtar third, Inter fourth. So Inter to miss out on everything. Yep. Yeah, right. So the question that I have is, are Real Madrid in good enough form to beat Mönchengladbach? No, I don't think they are if you were to follow the form guide. Um, Mönchengladbach looked rather decent in their last two performances. I think they won the reverse fixture as well. So... um, my only thing for Real Madrid is that I think in these situations, a big club like that would stand up and, and get it done and, and get through. So I think I'm just relying on uh, my strong love for Zizou, really. But uh, no, I genuinely think that, um, in a, as, you, as you referenced earlier, big players 
big games, um, they tend to step up. You've got to back them in, and and I think Real Madrid, especially at home, um, will get this done. And I just, I, yeah, I think from as bad as this campaign has been for them so far in the first five rounds, I think somehow they're going to end up on top of this group and go through. Yeah. So the other bit of jeopardy in this is the Shakhtar Inter was nil all, and Mönchengladbach Real was two all. So both the games were draws. Yeah. So just to throw a little bit more of a spanner in the works, this is just crazy that everyone can qualify and everyone can miss out as well. Yeah. Um, so then which must have gone on to beat Shakhtar and Inter after that fixture then? Yeah. yeah. And Inter were absolutely abhorrent against Real Madrid um, a couple of weeks back. And I just can't get that out of my head. So I, that's why I think they'll miss out. They were just so poor. Um, so I think, I think they're going to miss out. There you go. Very exciting Thursday morning, but so Wednesday morning, get up nice and early for Manchester United's group, and then um, Thursday morning, if you get up at 5 a.m., you can catch Ajax Atalanta, and then 7 a.m., you can sit down and see how this group pans out, and I guarantee something stupid will happen in this group. Beautiful. All right, that, that's it for the Champions League, so what's next? What have we got next? <laughs> We've got Rogers Multi, and you said he was a crackpot. Quickly coming down there. Here we go. So um, let's check in on Roger's tips, and I'll do them in my order, not your order, all right? So he had Man City to beat Fulham. <laughs> United to beat West Ham. Leicester to beat Sheffield United. Oh, got away with that one. Spurs to win. <laughs> the exotic was Harry Kane to also score at any point. He had $10 down, and so did I, to be honest. And we have won 162.20, I won. So there you go. So Roger is uh, two from three, two from four. Two from four. He's about 300 bucks up, I think, now. Yeah, so tune in Thursday then for um, for the tips. Yeah, and, well, uh, got to keep going, don't you? That's a hot streak. Um, so why don't we head over to the socials then, mate? What do you got for us? Yeah, so if you want to get into Roger's multi, um, his inside scoop, maybe email us at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, Football Played on Paper, Instagram at Football on Paper, Twitter at Football on Pods. And don't forget to give us a five-star review uh, when you listen because um, it's very important um, and helps us pay the bills. So. That'll be great. That's good. Um, and as I said, that is it for this week. Looking forward to the South Coast Derby tomorrow, then the Champions League games, and then we'll be back on Thursday with a preview, Rogers Multi, and we'll look to see if the big six can keep their spots. Mm-hmm.